Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And today on the pod, we conclude this series of mysticism and mystery by falling into the truth of our true self and our false self. But before we get there, if you notice that any of us get weepy along the way, it is because this time is our final podcast with just Kiefer. The boy is moving to California to chase his music dream, and we love him and we support him, uh, but we're going to miss him. Um, Who else is going to make fun of me when I define things as like one word Greek things uh, <laughs> when you ask for the Texan version. Um, Melissa, there that person will have to... But in all seriousness, Kiefer, we do really appreciate you and uh, and have really enjoyed this season on the podcast with you. So uh, why don't you uh, give us a plug where people can find you, where they can find your music if they didn't oh. know that you were a musician pursuing many different things and let people know where they can that you is know, find all that. That is what I do. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I do music and you can find that. Uh, I think I think I can say everywhere. Um I hopefully I'm, I'm, I think it's everywhere. So like Spotify, iTunes and all the things, if it's not for some reason, then I got to contact my distribution service <laughs> and be like, uh, Hey, what's happening. But, uh, I'm pretty sure you can find my music anywhere, uh, that streams or purchases or whatever you use. Um, and there's more, I'll be releasing more. I have two things currently out. Um, maybe three, three is coming very soon at, by when this episode drops. Uh, so, but then there'll be six by the end of the year. So, um, that's Very good. exciting. Uh, and then obviously more, more music to come, but yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't, I've never done a plug for myself before. I don't think on <laughs> what, what's your Instagram. <laughs> I gotta sell myself. I am. What's... Oh, it's so easy. Cause my name is so easy. Uh, but it's just my name, Kiefer Dietrich, uh, K I E F E R. And then Dietrich, everybody wants to make Dietrich complicated, but it's just D E. And then the word trick, <laughs> but everybody wants to put H's and <laughs> I's and stuff in there. It'd like make it super German, but yeah. So that's, that's me. Kiefer Dietrich, just Kiefer. Maybe there I'll, maybe go. I'll change all my handles to that at some point just as, <laughs> right. a, as a, uh, nod that, that'll be good it, here. If you do listen to Kiefer stuff, you know that a couple of weeks ago, he dropped a single, uh, called California, which the thesis was, California is not the solution to your problems. <laughs> the the Sunday after that dropped on a Saturday, we announced that hey, Kiefer is going to go to California. So, uh, I will say that the song and the move are com- were completely unrelated, and it was supposed to come out like earlier this year, but then quarantine happened, and so the fact that it was releasing a month before me driving away to California kind of didn't make sense to several people. They were like, wait, so you're not moving anymore? Is that what this means? Like the song? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm still moving. <laughs> so Just I confused a lot of car. people with that. Yes. Uh, well, we look forward to the day and, and it may be as early as today where we can say, hey, Alexa, play Kiefer Dietrich and have <laughs> Kiefer play throughout our house. It'll be a lot of fun. I know my girls take great joy in listening to their two Kiefer songs and we'll love to have that expand as the time yes progresses um and so again Kiefer, thank you so much I, I do think if you are considering instagram handle changes that you go back to the one you had when we hired you uh which was a very Keef. college student or <laughs> yes hail to the Keef. um yeah, yeah you know the uh we are talking today about true self and false self and the power of <laughs> ego in our lives and so i think that's a good transition <laughs> for us as we move in i did it for the pun not that i think i'm like some chief superior to people but <laughs> there's not a lot uh, of there's not a lot of options with kefir so i was trying to go for a pun 
Fair enough. No, it, it, it made me laugh as the dad joke yeah. uh, aficionado on this podcast. I, I saw it and appreciated the, the yes. pun and oh, the glad. humor in there. Uh, Melissa, as we get started today, uh, mm-hmm. now that we've talked a lot about Kiefer, let's talk a little bit about true selves and false selves. <laughs> um, and if you had to give like a 30 second definition of each one, what would they be? Man, well, first off, I just want to say, like, I thought you were about to be like, Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Uh, Melissa's not going to be on the next podcast either. It's going to be a solo show. No, and or, and then the secondary fear was that you were going to be like, Melissa, tell us about your true self and your false self. And I was like, whoa. Um, well, you mentioned last week that vulnerability uh, was an invitation yeah, to transformation. I did, and, I? And so, yeah, I'm not going to practice what I preached today. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but I will actually answer the question that you <laughs> asked me now. Um, okay, so true self to me is that deep connection point. It is the space of the mystic um, when you've kind of arrived. Um, The true self is that hidden in Christ self. It's the less of me, more of Christ. It's that journey of sanctification, of holiness. Um, True self is finding who you're meant to be. To be extra nerdy for 10 extra seconds uh, in Enneagram language, it's when you stop referring to yourself as your number and you actually go beyond what your number is. Um, Because the concept of Enneagram is that there's nine numbers, but all the numbers together are God. Um, And so the idea is is that the number is a helpful starting point, um, but the idea is, is to actually let go of that identity so that your identity is consumed by who God is. That's the true self. The false self um, is so does the that make unha- your number your false self? Is it, the it makes your number like the more that like you an in between it, step. It's okay. an in between step, but also the more that you can find relation and connection to each of the different numbers, the more that you're moving in a space of health. Um, okay. Okay. So the false self is the unhealthy levels of enneagram numbers, um, but it's also it's the self that um, gets consumed with whatever that primary emotion, um, negative emotion that you operate in. For some people, that's fear or shame or pride. Um, it's allowing those to define who you are. And it's allowing those sources to um, be colored in your culture, in your world, that then input into who you are and how you present yourself uh, to the world. That's the false self. I love the way you define the false self and, and the mystic way of evangelism, which has been a guide for us along the way, takes that and, and I think encapsulates it and, and drives it a little deeper. It, it names that the false self constructs self-protective armor. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and that love for the false self is always conditional. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Enneagram-wise, I, you know, you just named that we need to get beyond our number, but <laughs> I am a three or have historically been a three. And, and part of the self-protective armor that we put on uh, is the self-protective armor of achievement. And so we pour energy and effort and time and focus and, and sometimes our souls into this, uh, this cycle of getting better and doing better and being praised and kind of all of that. Um, and the, the place where love is conditional in this false self on that end of things is that I am only loved when I succeed, or I am only loved when, uh, the work that I do is, 
transcendent of anybody's expectation or the goals that I set are perfectly achieved, right? That's where that love gets conditional. And it, um, in this self-protective armor, we spent a whole lot of time talking about wounds and sin earlier. Mm -hmm. Often it is found like the origin point of your false self. Um, if we go back to the sin conversation and the wounds conversation, right? If God created humanity and each one of us and calls us good, and we come from this place of original blessing, um, if that's our true self, then wounds happen and yeah. wounds instill that in thing in our mind, in our hearts of conditional love. And then from the wounds, we build up the self-protective armor mm-hmm. that becomes this public facing version of us that is easier to give to people than the real version of us. Yeah. When I think of like this, like important conversation around, um, true self is like what we want to move towards, um, versus like false self is what we want to like, let go of. I also think of like a, um, kind of litmus test for how you're doing with that is the conversation of self-care versus self-indulgence um, mm. that you want both, right? But I find that when I'm in a place where I'm listening loud to that voice in my head that is um, more from the wounded place, more from the false self place, then I'm leaning more and more into the self-indulgent things. I'm leaning more mm. into uh, Netflix is going to ask me the question, are you still watching? And the answer is yes, Netflix, <laughs> shut up. Um, it's, it's getting, and it's also multitasking while doing that. So it's, it's watching TV, but also like reading a Buzzfeed yeah. list or quiz. I don't care about playing a game. I don't really care about on my phone. It's getting lost in all that. A little mm. bit of that in my life is really healthy. Like to turn, to allow my multitasking brain to do mindless multitasking things is good for me. But if I'm doing all that in neglect of going on walks with my dog, um, whose ears just perked up at hearing that, um, if it's in neglect of having actual conversation with my husband, if it's, you know, in neglect of those things, then I'm definitely acting more out of the false self. But Mm. in spaces where I move closer to my, see, Daniel, I did eventually get around to the vulnerability piece, um, Mm. If I'm moving more towards my true self, uh, then I I do want more of those things that feed me um, in a way that lasts longer than junk food lasts in the system kind of thing. Yeah, it, you you want the stuff, you, you're moving to the experience of being fed. And, and in both places, um, and, and I'm going to stereotype sevens here for a second, so just hold on, um, <laughs> with a podcast with two sevens on it. <laughs> I, I'm a Gemini as well, and I don't know if y'all are big into that, but sevens and Geminis are are in both of their respective f- fields the most like stereotyped and like oh you're a seven mm. oh you're a Gemini. Gemini I swear I'm the most like anyway <laughs> but go ahead stereotype away well but Melissa what you were saying was you move in both spaces you're moving towards an experience right but the motivation for moving towards that experience yes. is different is it motivating. Are you moving to the experience so that you can say, you know what? I went to Machu Picchu and I took this amazing Instagram picture and can't dude, wait. That day my will life happen. is amazing and awesome, right? <laughs> or did you go seeking a moment of transformation and holiness and oneness with creation, right? I mean, yeah. or with your, I mean, does that make sense? There, yeah. There's a, there's a variance there. Um, there is. And we all have those different, like, um, 
I, I'll name it because I saw it as your hand peeped up of you're wearing a, some kind of football ring. So I won my fantasy football league <laughs> last year and we had our draft yesterday. And um, there, there's somebody in our league who, who I love dearly, but pokes my buttons and I love to poke his back. Um, and he said he was looking forward to this next year where he could whip my backside. And so I just wore the ring uh, for the entire Zoom of our fantasy football draft. And it's sitting here on my desk. And so it's the thing I'm fiddling with while we're playing, uh, so, while we're recording. Yeah. And so, like, I, I mean, I only I lift this up just to, like, emphasize that there's various ways that we can move, like can, we can notice if we're moving to our true or false self. So I think, Daniel, you know, there for you. Um, and you can push back or tweak if uh, I'm getting this wrong. It's more of based on achievement. Like you can reach an achievement just to like check it off the list and say, I succeeded. Or you can move mm -hmm. towards that achievement because there is this deep calling and passion in your life. And you care deeply enough about it that you do want to reach that next level of whether that's launching a new worship service, whether that's um, reaching more people because you care deeply about the impacts that has on your life or others' lives. Um, so we each have these like unique ways that we can notice how we're moving um, along with our false self or our true self. Absolutely. You know, I have named on this podcast a number of times that I was a failed church planter and, and failed in part on that front, um, a defined failure on that front as not succeeding in the ways that I thought I would going in. But if we look back to the ways lives were actually transformed, and this is where I like my internal thought process mm -hmm. on that whole five year or four year period of my life yeah. is, is I can tell what space I'm in health wise, whether I think of that as an abject failure or I see the life transformation that happened, what was ultimately the end goal of the whole thing. Um, even if we didn't get numerically to the place where we needed to in order for the for the campus to continue as we had initially planned, right? Yeah. You know, I can either define how many people's or what life change happened that we can give witness to and bear witness to in that couple of year process, or just name the fact that we didn't get to 500 people in worship and therefore it was a failure and terrible and no very good, very bad day, right? Um, and, and, and honestly, you know, we talked about vulnerability and the importance of that. Yeah. Over the last five years of my life, there have been moments in, 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 in this cycle where I've been incredibly aware of and thankful for the life transformation that happened in the people connected to our faith community and to me um, in that. And then there have also been moments where, you know, the, the struggle was real to process, yeah. you know, failure in front of God in the entire annual conference, right? Uh, people said, we trust you. We're going to invest this money in you. And guess what? Um, we didn't have the fruit you expected, um, which is uh, for somebody who who likes to keenly tie into what people's expectations are and, and how we can achieve those um, can be a, an, a powerful thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one of the other things that, Melissa, you lift up in this mm -hmm. false self, truth self conversation yeah. is that it's, it's not a sequential linear path. Right. right? Um, it, it's a continuum and, you know, we kind of hover back and forth depending on the day and the moment, the time, the season of our spiritual journey. Um, when we have had wounds inflicted upon us, right. I, I 
have talked to any number of pastors over the last six months uh, who are trying to pastor in the midst of pandemic. Um, And for all of them, this is their first pandemic. (laughs) None of us have done this before. Um, And all of us are seeking to be deeply faithful, both to God's call on our lives and to honoring the the physical, spiritual, and emotional health of our people, right? To do all of those things. Um, and, And this is a time where in the midst of the struggle of it, many pastors have been on the receiving ends of the outpouring of people's woundedness, right? Either uh, through extra pastoral care or through, frankly, extra grouchiness, yeah. right? Where And in that continuum, talking to my friends and reflecting on my own life, depending on, you know, what happened in a given day and whether the outpouring that we received was one where we could respond with compassion or that inflicted more wounds upon mm-hmm. us, we move on that continuum of, do we yeah. armor up right now? Right. Um, And I think that's so applicable to so many spaces of um, our people who um, work of that in the midst of all this, you're going to get, you're going to receive people's wounds. Um, Mm. And they often won't feel like receiving someone's hurt. They're going to feel like someone that's trying to attack you or tear you apart. Mm. Um, And I think the ability to see through that, Um, And even like, I especially think of like our parents who have had to make decisions of are their child, is your child going to be in school in person or in school online or homeschooling or, you know, there's so many options. Like I, I, I see how our wounds um, and how our true self, false self can um, help us to navigate for how we relate to others in the world in this time, but also like when we receive other people in this time of being able to identify, you know, even if it hurts and not that you have to accept, right, that pain, like you can set those healthy boundaries for yourself. But, you know, I really received uh, the wounded side of Kiefer today, or I really, you know, or whatever it may be. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read the uh, or anything by Eckhart Tolle? Um, the power. There's two, I think, big popular ones at least. The Power of Now, and uh, he also was on Oprah. Like they did like a ten ten week thing over his books. He calls he calls the I think he calls it the pain body. Yeah, uh, like mm-hmm. sort of the false self that we're talking about, where mm-hmm. it's the it's 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 what it's it's yourself that's inside your ego that's like in pain. Mm-hmm. It's like. That's yeah. why you interact with the world the way that you are. And I think that's a, that's another good term, I think, for what we're talking about. It's like you're, if you remove the pain and the, and the ego, then you become the true self um, that we've been talking about. And I don't know. Now I, now I just look around and I go, oh, we're all in pain. That's the, I get yeah. it. <laughs> that's why everything sucks, kind of. <laughs> well, and that's where Julian's brilliance was from yeah. several weeks ago, talking about sin and woundedness, right? Mm-hmm. That everyone is living, everyone has been wounded, right? There's no one who has escaped the wounded reality of life, right? And, um, and that can feel kind of heavy and, and, and like, oh man, what now? (laughs) Um, but even though that woundedness does exist, healing comes too, uh, and that healing is offered uh, in many ways, as Melissa said, when we are able to approach people with compassion, and not just saying, why are they acting that way toward me? Yeah. But what is behind this, right? Um, and and I know that one of the the 
maturings of life for the last decade for me has been that shift in in movement right of of you know seeing the world through the lens of how does this affect daniel to yeah. a broader um pastoral identity and compassion and understanding of yeah they may be chewing your butt big time right now or they may be avoiding you right now or they may be radically compassionate to you and and telling you to face one thing but not actually believing it to another it, all of that is is not as often less about you and more about what is going on inside of somebody else right um the the book we've been referencing the mystic way of evangelism uh says this piece um that i think brings hope into this this moment of overwhelming overburdened oh man everybody is wounded and hurting and what do we do with this um and it, it says that the old pretensions and demands the anxieties of the false self, right? The, the effect of our woundedness become clear in the light of God's day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So have you, I think probably my favorite term that I've learned recently is ego death. Are you all familiar with this phrase where it's like, it's, I think it's actually kind of what we were talking about last week with kenosis, where it's mm -hmm. the same principle of like realizing like that I can't, like myself is separate from me and the self mm. pouring that out to let like, you know, me or God in, you know, to let, uh, to let that become your true self, to become your true self. Um, I don't know. And that, that, that concept to me recently has been a bit of a trip, but also like um, I think I'm starting to see it. You, you're talking about everything becoming clear in the, like in God's mm. light and mm -hmm. when you when you are able to step away from the false self or the pain body or you know, these things that we're talking about, I think I kind of get that already. Like I think that that light is available to us here and now. Like being able mm -hmm. to see, oh, yeah. all of these things that I'm doing because I'm in pain or because of my ego or because of whatever, um, I can I, you can literally step away from them and see them. And it's and I think it is because usually when we talk about holiness and all these things that we've been talking about, it almost seems like these things will be possible in heaven. But I really do think that these things mm. that we're talking about right now, like with the true, true body and the, and the, or the true self and the false self, like I do think we are able here and now to see the false self and to be, and to move towards yeah. the true self. Would y'all agree? Or is this, I mean, I, I think we have to agree because in yeah. our ordination <laughs> of vows, we, we say that we believe in perfecting grace. And I think what you've just yeah. described there is that like when you could do that perfectly, that you've arrived at perfecting grace. But I think the journey of sanctification, that piece of our grace mm -hmm. of what makes us holier um, yeah. is part of that. And when you were talking about it, I think of as someone who loves yoga, um, there's a lot of practice within yoga of permission to observe like to step outside mm -hmm. of yourself and observe. And I remember when I first started practicing, I'd get so mad. I hated that concept. I mm -hmm. hated when teachers um, invited us into that space because it's like, why would I want to like devoid myself of my emotions? Why would I want to be detached from who I am? Like that felt like such a violation. But the more I practiced and the more that like I built relationship and came to understand what they meant by that, the more I realized how beautiful it is, um, as you kind of named Kiefer of like the, the beauty of the observation is the beauty to see it. Mm -hmm. And 
if I can't, if I'm so close to myself that I can't see how my wounds impact others, how am I ever going to change that? But when I'm able to step away, to take that one step, that two step away from myself, to look, turn around and look back at myself and see it, I think that's actually a very mystic, um, contemplative union with God's stance yeah. actually is to be in that space because that's the space that God holds in our life is to look at us and to see us for who we truly are, which means seeing the wounds um, and how those wounds or how um, the true self that we embody now um, reflect out upon the world and impact who we are as individuals as well, because our wounds and our trueness um, have real implications for who we are as well. Um, I love the way, so, you know, speaking of the book we've been touching in, The Mystic Way of Evangelism, the title of the chapter that we're kind of pulling from is Coming mm-hmm. Home to Love. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way that, so I think like the true self is this idea of when we come home to the love of God, everything changes, beginning with how we pray. Yeah. Um, and Nowen, who is a famous theologian, writes, um, to be a mystic is one whose identity is deeply rooted in God's first love, which that's the love that we come home to. Um, mm. when we come to our true self, we're coming home to that first love that existed with us in us when we were knitted together in our mother's wombs, as we said a few weeks ago in worship. Right. Yeah. Well, and Melissa, you mentioned our ordination journey a little bit earlier, and I think it ties beautifully to the now and quote and now in story. Um, you, cause the question we are asked is, do you believe that you are going on to perfection? Mm-hmm. Right. And in my head, I mean, very publicly and loudly and verbally, I answered yes, because that's what we're supposed to. Um, but the running joke in your head is not at this rate. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, but I think, now in, in in his the quote you just read for us about you know um a mystic is a person whose identity identity mm-hmm. is rooted deeply in God's first love uh if you don't know Nowen's backstory now and we think of as this amazing spiritual leader and yeah. figure this man who um was one of the most prolific uh spiritual writers of the 20th century and it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes and spirits mm-hmm. and sort of put things in a whole new way for a lot of people, right? And, and kind of helped capture some real beauty for a lot of folks. But his own journey into God's first love, where his identity was rooted in that, it was much more of a journey of struggle, right? It was a journey of going on to perfection, not living perfectly there the entire time, right? It was a journey that sent him into like clinical levels of depression. Like no. that's now in story. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of these writers, I'm seeing that common thread where they, it's you really have to get close to the bottom or at the bottom, like when to really start seeing that. Set. Like the the way, the best way, the who I was just talking about, Eckhart Tolle, he he phrased it on the Oprah podcast mm-hmm. as he was he was approaching, you know, you know, contemplating suicide and th- like at the bottom of his life when he and he finally remembers like his moment was him saying to himself, I I can't live with myself, and in that moment going, mm-hmm. wait, who is who is I? And who is myself? Like, why are these two different things? And Mm. that was like the beginning. Like he reached his very lowest and then was able to, from that moment, see these, see the false self and the true self and then, and then begin to move forward. 
There is something very rooted in um, mysticism of it's the, the most popular phrasing of it would be the dark night of the soul. Um, And it is the sense of I'm going to do such a terrible job and such a shallow job, but I encourage you, you can go find this reading to read for yourself. But the basic premise in mysticism is that the closer you get to God, is actually it will become dark. Um, And I think that does, it can mean like a darkness within our own life. It can mean, because it means that we are letting go of all of that human um, brokenness within us that um, all, and by that brokenness, I mean those wounds within us. And that is painful work. Um, to do. And actually what is happening in the midst of it is that we are drawing so close to God and it's not that God is darkness, but God's light is so bright that it's blinding us. Um, So the idea of as we journey in this, it's not unusual in the mystic's journey to experience your own personal dark night of the soul. Um, And, and not for, and, for everyone, that won't look the same, and it won't have to necessarily. I do think there are a lot of prolific writers who are mystics that it is this very dark and kind of rock bottom place. But sometimes it comes in the space of um, God's love pouring out like rain that we can't control yeah. in just the most mm-hmm. ordinary of a moment um, or unexpected of a moment. This is this is I think where I. At this point, I think I've had the most, in terms of reading scripture, I think Ecclesiastes has the most mystical, mm-hmm. maybe the maybe yeah. the most mystic book besides maybe Genesis. I don't know. Uh, but Ecclesiastes gets this. So I looked up, I just typed in Dark Knight of the Soul just to see what else came up. And of yeah. course, Eckhart Tolle, this guy that I was just talking about is the first thing up here. <laughs> but he, he says it as it's this approach uh, towards or what he would call a collapse of a perceived meaning in life. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's saying that life, well, Ecclesiastes even says, like, everything is meaningless. You know, right. that's the most repeated phrase in the book. And everything that the book talks about is all these things where it's and coming right into context with Proverbs as well, where everything is so clear cut. Ecclesiastes is so important to be there to say, actually, like, you can do everything right. And it, even, even in conjunction with Job, too, right? You can do everything yeah. right. Yeah. And, you know, nothing, there, there's no exact it it's not always one plus one equals two, you know, when it when it comes to life. Like life is a bit more smoky and meaningless. And yeah. that's <laughs> why we always even, need these conversation partners, even within our scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because even in the scriptures, like uh there are many mystics who argue that the the dark night of the soul in scripture, like scripture, we find many people many of God's people in that dark night, mm-hmm. but that it reaches its apex in Christ on the cross. When he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like there's this embodiment of here is death. Mm -hmm. And yet, as so many things have said already, that dark night isn't the end. right? It it is a place from which um, the new life is birthed or that discovery happens or that growth often occurs and that transformation begins um, I don't know how the rest of the song goes, but I'm reminded of Drake's. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that, that, that movement. Now don't go Google in the lyrics for that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> didn't really start from the bottom. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's what conversation for another time. I think, you know, 
Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way, and I think it encapsulates, Daniel, what you were saying really well of that um, no matter if a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life begins in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something very mystical about that statement. Then uh, you're just reminding me of my favorite C.S. Lewis quote too from The Great Divorce because we're all just going through our writer, our, our uh, reading history here. But C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce talks, or maybe it's not The Great Divorce, maybe it's Mere Christianity, where he talks about like we always talk about rebirth, but we always forget that birth was the is maybe the craziest thing. First birth is the craziest thing any any human has ever experienced. You go from this dark, muted wet world right and you come into like you have you cannot fathom what the other side of birth looks like and he and he says Mm -hmm. when we talk about second birth people want to assign you know specific meaning and specific this is what it's going to be like to it and that's just he he, he's he's not afraid to go i think that's the dumbest thing any of us do (laughs) is going this is what rebirth sex spiritual birth is going to be like this is what heaven is going to be like this is what the kingdom is going to because we just can't. He also says he thinks he's he's willing to bet that half or ninety percent. I don't can't remember what he says of the spiritual. These great spiritual questions we ask are just like gibberish to God, you know, like to the actual end. We're we're like trying to get at the truth, and you know, and you know, we do. We, we it's our nature to do that, but it's not. We shouldn't assign all the weight to it because we have no we have no idea. We know we all need to be way more comfortable going. I have no clue what. And that's the mystery part of this series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mystery, and that there's the nailing the mystery in into the head. Yeah, that's that's what it is. So I I wonder. I w- I would like to pose a question for all of us to answer mm-hmm. um, as we kind of like wind our way to the end of this series on mystery and mysticism. Um, and it's I think you know mysticism is such a countercultural stance of Christianity um, compared to our pop culture Christianity that's around us. One that I think obviously the three of us on this podcast find deep and great value in. Um, But Daniel, I've heard you say this many times when talking about mysticism, there's something that just lacks in mysticism until you practice it, um, until you actually just experience it. Um, So perhaps we should have done this for the rest of the podcast, but we're at the end and it's fine. Uh, What is like that one very tangible practice or experience that you would offer to someone that is saying, I have no idea about what you just talked about for these four past episodes, Mm -hmm. but I'm interested and I want to know more. So I would begin so earlier and this is a self-fulfilling plug. So I guess I am a three. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'd go back to the breath prayer episode mm. earlier in the summer yeah, and ground yourself in breath prayer for a season um, and be willing and know in advance, it will be awkward as you move to silence, as you move to focus on your breath, as you move, there will be moments where your brain wanders all over creation. Give yourself, push through the awkward. Don't yeah. go, I tried it for three days and then I'm done. Because on the other side of the awkward is incredible connection and beauty and and just a an openness and a, and a peace that can come if we're willing to be discomforted or uncomfortable for a hot second. Mm. Hmm. I would probably also offer 
pretty much pretty much in a similar in a similar sense meditation for me i've talked about a lot has been the most for me but my favorite definition recently that i've come into contact with of meditation and it's kind of weird because it's almost like you have the mental answer of like this is another thing i love about meditation is you all you you know what you're going to get out of it like in your head you know what you're going to get out of it before you do it if you if you have been explained properly like what meditation is but the definition that i heard is it meditation is sitting with the feeling and the feeling is that everything is change. Everything is constantly fundamentally changing. And so if everything is fundamentally change, you know, at all times, then that opens up these things that we've talked about in mysticism for you to really embody and understand about, you know, meaninglessness, but not in a bad way, you know, like all these things we've been talking about today is so just simply sitting with the feeling and sensing that every moment you can't actually feel it because you're already in the next moment, you know, that that you're always changing, you know, knowing that is one thing, but really sitting with it in meditation and and feeling it is a, is a worthwhile practice because it's not, you can, you can, I think at least for me, I, I, it's easier for me to wrap my head around that idea, but it's harder for me to really be aware of it, be present with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been the most helpful practice for me is, is sitting with the feeling of change. And uh, mine would be go outside at night on a clear night and Mm -hmm. look up at the stars and Mm -hmm. ask out loud whatever questions come to your soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. Um, And for the last time, for me at least, (laughs) I'm going to ask you to bring as many people into this conversation uh, as possible uh, by liking and reviewing and all of that and sharing to your social media and everything that I usually ask you to do. And I'd also probably like to say thanks for uh, being a part of this conversation with us and with me for, uh, for me the last year and I don't know, a little more than a year, but um, I have loved every single conversation I've had on this uh, podcast. And uh, I can't wait to keep listening to what y'all talk about (laughs) after this point. We expect you to launch the California campus of this podcast. (laughs) We're going to have an epicenter where our our two points of most downloads are from like North Texas and L.A. Podcast planting. That's my new, I'm going to create a new uh, new field. That's it. That's it. Oh, now that we have gathered together, that we have uh, laughed and and experienced uh, hopefully a depth of internal wrestling and naming and truth seeking, um, I'm going to give you this invitation to grow. And, And the invitation is inherent in the last question we just answered. Try one. Go out into the yard at night and stare into the stars and ask your questions out loud. Pause. Meditate, reflect on the ever-changing landscape of the world around you and within you. Or simply breathe. Breathe with a single centering focus. Breathing in God's goodness and breathing out that which tears you down. Those wounds that are alive and well in you. May you begin to enter the practice of mysticism. And now as you go, I've invited Kiefer to give a final benediction, but um, 
that will be for you, I desire to offer one final benediction for Kiefer as we as a podcast family send him out. So just Kiefer, may you go encountering a God even on the darkest night of the soul that still calls you to come home to love. May you encounter a Christ that shows you who your true self is. And may you encounter a Holy Spirit that journeys with you and finds its way weaving through the song lyrics that you offer to the world and neighbor in love. May you go in peace. Amen. 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 As a final benediction, I figured I'd do uh, what I do best, and that's uh, sing and not talk so much. Um, But I will say this. um, I pray that God and the Holy Spirit follow you wherever the wind takes you. Amen. How many roads must a man walk down Before you can call him a man And how many seas must the white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand And how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind And how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea And how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free And how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see Oh,